Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All groups of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents here on Community Radio 3CR. It is Saturday the 12th, no, the 7th. It is Saturday the 7th of November Um, and Pierre, how are you? Good morning, Giselle. That's right. We've now entered the home straight, really. We're in November, and obviously, you're already ahead of yourself. <laughs> yeah. But yes, we just did the start of November. We've got just a few programs left um, um, on Asia Pacific this year, but that's right. My name is Pierre Moro, and uh, welcome to everyone listening to all around the world to another program of Asia Pacific Currents on your favorite community radio station, 3CR Radio, brought to you by Australia Asia Workerlings and Giselle Do contact details. That's right. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We are on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. Speaking of social media, Pierre, do you have any thoughts about the cluster F-U-C-K that is the US elections? Oh, that's been put uh, me on the spot. I, I don't think, I don't think, look, I, Obviously, um, the polls were very wrong again. But um, look, I mean, I didn't follow that closely, but I'm not sort of surprised because I think um, Trump is actually a charismatic character apart from, you know, his politics and the fact that he's a total narcissist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And against him, the, the main opposition party has put a very, very grey, very... Um, um, middle of the road with not much charisma, not much radical politics against him. Um, and I think this is what, what happens. It really needed to um, to take him on board um, hard and they haven't. But I think, you know, the Democratic Party will win. But it also shows, I think, the, the social marginalisation, the inequality uh, within the United States. But that could be yeah. another. I'm not yet convinced that um, whatever the election result shows is going to be reflected in what happens. And I know it is kind of looking more and more that way because the various courts are throwing out the legal appeals against um, the the fictitious um ballot tampering allegations that are being made but i i am i think it's important that we still wait and see not on the result of the election but what people do in relation to whatever is finally declared i think that's going to be more telling than how the numbers poll in the end um, sure, everything is is a reflection of of something, and obviously this is just another step on the road. Because I think, as some other commentators have said, the whole, uh, if you want to call it Trumpism, um, even if he loses, is not going to go away. Um, and I think we're going to see um, different politics in the U.S. continuing. Mm. 
Well, that was a beautiful little tangent that I um, led us on. Thank you for indulging, Pierre. Most appreciated. That's right. <laughs> uh, who do we have on in the second part of the show? All right. Well, talking about ongoing struggles and ongoing issues, we actually um, uh, managed to uh, to talk to Diane Septi, who she's a labor activist with the Indonesian Unite Workers Confederation, and obviously she's talking about um, the situation in Indonesia, but uh, most uh, uh, specifically about the omnibus bill that. Uh, was passed last month and the big demonstrations that follow that by um, the working class in Indonesia. So that'll be in the second half of the program. Thanks, Pierre. But first up, news from around the region, and we're going to start in India, where scores have been killed in a factory explosion. This Wednesday, an explosion at a chemical factory on the Parana Piplaj Road in Ahmedabad, Gujarat State, triggered a major fire and the collapse of an adjacent warehouse of a cotton factory. Initial reports indicate that at least 12 workers have been killed and another nine have been injured, six of which are in critical conditions. There are no indications yet as to what led to the original fire and explosions, but unfortunately such industrial incidents at chemical factories in India are all too common. And um, that's um, and um, our best wishes go to the family and friends of those workers. We now go to Iran, where there's been more arrests. Now, this year, our regular listeners would know that we brought you lots of updates on the ongoing struggles by the Haftapa sugarcane workers against both mismanagement and exploitation by their employers and repression by the security uh, forces. Their organization, Militancy and Solidarity, have been a beacon for all Iranian workers. This week, we heard that on October 29th, Ibrahim Monjezi, Yusuf Baini and Masoud Haivari were all arrested on charges of disturbing public order and transferred to prison. While they have now been released on bail uh, just yesterday, these arrests are part of an increasing attempt by the government to clamp down on labour dissent. In mid-October, Menran Rauf, a well-known labour activist in the capital, Tehran, was also arrested. There is an ongoing international campaign calling for the release of these labour activists. And in Thailand, earlier this week, four well-known activists, Anon Nampa, Ekachai, Hong Kong Wan, Suranat Pain Prasoet, and of course, Somyot Pruksaka Semsuk, who we have been supporting and campaigning for years and years and years. Uh, these comrades were finally released after 20 days in prison when a court detained, excuse me, when a court denied the latest police request for their continued temporary detention. On his release, Anand stated that he was ready and willing to join the protests again and reiterated the demands of the protests, which are for the Prime Minister's resignation, constitutional amendments and monarchy reform. On his release, Somyot stated that prison is a graveyard for the living and serves to oppress and compel because prison do not exist for solutions but for revenge. While these four have been released, there are still a few activists who are still currently in detention. 
And of course, those protests in Thailand do continue. There is an international camp solidarity campaign to support the um, anti-military pro-democracy movement in Thailand. If you're interested, get in touch with us on our Facebook page or by email to aawl at aawl.org.au and we can help you get involved in that campaign. Fantastic. And I really like uh, Somyot's uh, statement about uh, prison, that they're um, there for revenge, not solutions. Uh, now we go to India and specifically New Delhi, where since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic in India, health workers in the capital New Delhi have taken to the streets numerous times over non-payment of of dues and wages and poor working conditions. Their latest strikes and actions um, uh, were in October and affected multiple hospitals in the city. Some workers have not been paid for anywhere between three to six months. In addition, uh, PPE, or personal protection equipment, has become a major issue since the pandemic, with many workers complaining of insufficient or substandard equipment. Both local and federal authorities have continued to stall on this issue and have blamed each other for the ongoing problems. Moving now to Saudi Arabia and the kafala system there, which, Pierre, is um, an issue very uh, dear to you in relation to fighting against it. This week, the Saudi Arabian government announced this week that it will ease restrictions on migrant workers from March 2021. The kafala system is the legal framework that restricts migrant workers' rights in Saudi Arabia and makes them extremely vulnerable to abuse and exploitation. The new rules will now ease workers' contractual restrictions, including the right to change jobs by transferring their sponsorship from one employer to another, leave and re-enter the country, and secure final exit visas without the consent of their employer. Many labour activists are now waiting to see the actual wording of the legislation to see if it will live up to this announcement and whether it will also reform the repressive system of detention centres for workers. There are approximately 10 million migrant workers in Saudi Arabia, making up about a third of the total population. Pierre, that must be good news to you. Uh, yes, yes, it is. But um, as the activists there uh, say, it's it's. Let's see what the fine print says. Uh, but certainly, the the abuse and exploitation of this system is incredible. And um, in terms of our last story, we go to next door to Iraq, where last week the Iraqi government sent the army to clear the encampment at Tahrir Square and its Freedom Monument of the anti-government protesters that had been occupying it for over a year. Symbolically, the government was able to reopen the Al-Jumriha bridge that leads to the highly fortified green zone that contains the most important government offices. A statement by the protest leaders acknowledged that the combination of government repression, increasing poverty rates and the COVID pandemic all took a toll on the uprising over the last year. Nevertheless, they also stated that while they had lost this battle, the movement uh, continues and is working to set up formal political organisations. Protest camps are still present in many other central and southern Iraqi cities. 
And that does bring us to the end of news from around the region for another Saturday morning. You are listening to Asia Pacific Currents here on Community Radio 3CR with Giselle and Pierre. We're going to go to some community announcements and then our feature story for the morning. The Melbourne Armenian community is raising humanitarian and development funds to help the community back home as they struggle with the devastating impacts of war and conflict. Please consider donating to the Hayastan All-Armenian Fund. For more details, go to www.himnadram.org forward slash en forward slash donate. Alternatively, you can make a donation by way of direct deposit into the Hayastan All-Armenian Fund account at the National Australia Bank, BSB number 083230, account number 946770823. The Hayastan All-Armenian Fund is a not-for-profit organisation delivering education, healthcare, infrastructure, rural development and housing projects in Armenia. The Armenian General Benevolent Union is a 3CR affiliate and supporter. When I was new to Melbourne, I found a Food Not Bombs flyer on the road and I had like this fist with a carrot and carrots are my favourite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. 855 AM. You're on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. Pierre, our story this morning. That's right. We were fortunate um, enough early this week to um, talk to Diane Septi, who she's a labour activist with the Indonesian Unite Workers Confederation. And we talked to her about the uh, recent passing of the omnibus law in Indonesia and the workers' response to it. On October the the 5th, the Indonesian government passed the new omnibus law. Can you give us the main points of this uh, new bill? Okay, the omnibus law on job creation uh, unites 76 bills become one law. And there are 10 clusters in the law and only take less than one year to finalize and legalize uh, the law, although it is controversial and during pandemic situation that is uh, getting worse. The 10 cluster, uh, one some of the labor, land acquisition, and also about uh, journalism, 
the law on journalism and this law the main idea of the omnibus law on job creation is more flexible labor market so that the articles on contract workers and outsourcing was amended so that it can be broadly applied and without time limitation besides that this law also regulate the politics of supporting uh, law wage that was legalized before through government regulation on number 78 uh, 2015 uh, which regulates which increase based on inflation and economic growth actually the article about contract workers in employment act number 13 2003 have some limitation and give the workers a bigger chance to be a permanent workers but this article very often violates and almost no law enforcement for this violation Meanwhile, the policy about minimum wage in Indonesia arranged just for substitution. There are no policy to protect the workers' rights for decent wage in Indonesia. And now the omnibus law on job creation accommodates this violation. And let's say it's an effort to legalize the violation on workers' rights. So the situation is clear now that it uh, makes a precarious work. And not surprisingly, after what you've just said, that in the following week after the passing of this law, tens of thousands of workers took part in three days of industrial action all over Indonesia. Can you give us a brief account of how many workers participated, which sectors of workers were most involved, and what are their demands, and how did the government and police respond? Since 8 October, only Gebrak is alliance people and workers who uh, run the demonstration and youth groups and not all confederation of labor who join the demonstration. Uh, on October, is very huge. It's the second biggest demonstration after uh, demonstration against Ahok uh, that is very racist. And after that, 20 October 2020, uh, the number of protesters uh, is going down. It's dropped. Uh, more than 50 percent decrease a lot but the, cons- the national consolida- consolidation still exists and we will have again demonstration on november uh, 10 not only demand withdrew of job creation law uh, but also to demand to refuse the policy of government who decide that the minimum wage will not raise for 2020-21 And from what I understand, women workers were heavily involved in these uh, protests over the last few weeks as well. Uh, yes, we are, because uh, in gender perspective, uh, job creation omnibus law is formulated to suppress and dismiss a group who have no power. And in this case, women workers are the one who will be the most vulnerable. The job creation bill overlooks reproductive work and cumber over women. For example, job creation law, Article 88B, uh, regulates wage system based on time and achievement, clearly hinting at an hourly so best wage system which is concerned to significantly affects the wage for women worker in the situation of pregnancy menstruation uh, that need have some rest in working hours and it can threaten the total amount of take home pay below the minimum wage for working women uh, most of them are also the breadwinner of the family so that when the wage uh, decrease and also the violation against their maternity leave it will involve not only the woman but also the family Uh, because the women are the breadwinner and also their reproductive rights not seen by uh, government uh, in job creation bill. I believe there were a number of arrests as well. Can you give yeah. us a bit yeah. more account of what happened? 
the demonstration from the demonstration about 5000 protesters arrest by the police and most of them are youth uh, is a teenager uh, high school student and college uh, students and until now the police uh, do not uh, open the data how many exactly the numbers that they have arrest and until now it still happen so until now the youth still have a demonstration and they still uh, repressive very repressive Today, thing in Molukas, Maluku, yeah, uh, with I just received message that a student, high school student who have all Lampung, Lampung, who have demonstrations today, arrested by the police. We'll get back to where to for the movement now, but um, this demonstration by the labour movement and the and the youth and and their supporters was quite big. Do you think this bill and this protest will lead to a new phase of workers' struggle in Indonesia, or is the movement too weak and too divided? I'm optimistic about that. Although in Indonesia we face the fact about the decrease of unions members in. In 2017, the Minister of Manpower said that only 2.7 million workers were union members, while the number of formal workers reached 52 million. Uh, but the contradiction created by omnibus law on job creation uh, will push the struggle in a more progressive way. Uh, from the end of September, the allies between the people movement, workers, students, peasants, environmental activists, and other progressive elements was getting stronger. This resistance has appeared in many areas in Indonesia, about uh, 60 cities in Indonesia, not only in Jakarta. This is because job creation omnibus law will impact not only the workers, but also the people at large. This unity is in line with what we were trying to do in 2018 when we declared an alliance called Gebrak, Gerakan Buruh Bersama Rakyat or uh, Workers and People Movement. Until now, this alliance still plays an important role in movements to protest the omnibus law. So I think that the unity is the key to the struggle going forward. Even though Jokowi's regime has uh, used a very repressive way to secure exploitation in the name of investment such as the sort of the demonstration using physical force, the sanction to the people struggling against the enactment of the omnibus law. I'm sure that in the end, the people will come to one conclusion. There is no other way than to fight back. It's quite apparent that this new law is really aiming to making workers weaker and cheaper for companies to exploit. And you've said there's a number of other demonstrations planned. We said one in November. So is this the strategy that unions and labour organisations are going to have to take more direct action on the streets and in the industrial mm-hmm. space? Yeah, some confederations uh, decide to use a judicial review legal way uh, to fight against uh, omnibus law but we uh, the unions that join in gebrak uh, decide to have direct action uh, we'll try to consolidate the unions in manufacturers level until national level and create uh, workers collectives or groups for them who are not union unionized yet so the consolidation will talk about uh, the strategy and of advocacy and direct action that ever happened before in 2011 uh, to 2013 that that there's a general strike in 2013 
14 and 2015. So I think the best practice of direct action that happened before need to be repeat. For example, now we will GBJ, uh, Jakarta Labor Movement, and in KPBI, uh, it's the Indonesia Unite Workers Confederation. Uh, when the confederation I join, with many local workers alliance in several provinces. Uh, well, the youth movement, uh, student college and senior high school now are also rising. So I think that the strength will be accelerated. The key is continuing the network among groups. That's um, fantastic to hear, especially like you've you've mentioned, there have been uh, instances in the last 30 years in Indonesia where there have been major labour mobilisation, which is certainly inspiring for workers all around. And in conclusion, I mean, what we are seeing in Indonesia, we're now seeing in other countries where governments are using the COVID-19 pandemic, the lockdown and the economic crisis to really push for an offensive against workers' struggle. So looking regionally, how do you think is the best way to link up these um, struggles, but also for workers to support the movement in Indonesia? Now in Asia, uh, some demonstrations uh, happen, uh, like in Thailand. Recently, uh, and in Indonesia, I think uh, it's the time to connect each other, the workers group and also the youth. Uh, I think it's very important. The youth now feeling have no future. They see uh, their parents working uh, until night, and but no prosperity, still become poor. And I think it's also, we have the same feeling uh, about this uh, during pandemic. I think it's good when we have uh, connect each other and have the same day uh, that we have demonstration. In Asia level, uh, Southeast Asia maybe for the beginning and uh, maybe with Australia also because I think uh, the solidarity among us uh, is important to speak up uh, the issue, especially during pandemic in which many countries suppress the workers' rights in the name of pandemic. And I think you're, you're very right there. And I think in the next few months, uh, I think we'll see many more labour struggles and it'll be important for us to link up. Again, we thank you for taking the time out to uh, speak to us and we'll certainly keep abreast. And uh, maybe in the next few months, um, we'll contact you again to see um, how you're going and how's the movement in Indonesia. Thank you. You're welcome. Fitzroy Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching the new COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501. Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. And you were just listening to an interview with Dian Septi, who is a labour activist with the Indonesian Unite Workers Federation, um, Confederation about the recent um, new labour laws in Indonesia and the response by the workers. 
And that does bring us to the end of the show, Pierre. That, well, that's yes. that's it, really. We'll be we'll be back uh, next week with another program of Asia Pacific Currents and updates from the labour movement in the region. So stay tuned to Three CR Radio. Um, that's all from me, Pierre Morrow, and me, Giselle Hannah. <laughs>